you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. The reading today is from Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 17. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that I go to, imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Just pray briefly. Sovereign God, I pray that you'd be pleased to send your powerful spirit upon us as we open to this passage in your word. Uh, Gracious God, please give us your grace that we might hear your word, believe it, obey it, and rejoice in it. For Jesus' sake, amen. 
Amen. Well, do me a quick favor. If you would look at the announcements page uh, in the bulletin, starting on page 10, just cast your eyes down these two pages. Announcement 2, Holy Baptism, Elijah and Ezekiel Bryan. Announcement 3, please extend a warm MetroCrest welcome to our newest members, Michael, Susan, Gary, and Michelle McMillan, who are sitting right back over here. Noah Summers is sitting right up front here, and Kevin Schertz. See announcement four. Farewell to the Sayers family, Chip and Amy, who are moving to Virginia. I'll look down at announcement nine. Congratulations, new MetroCrest officers. Last Sunday, Larry Perry was elected to the session. Dalton Dallas, Will Grover, Justin Sterenberg, and Josh Wyman were elected to the Board of Deacons, and we're going to be celebrating their installation and ordination next Sunday. I look at announcement 10. Uh, we're going to be hearing tonight, uh, Wednesday night from Brucey uh, Patel and Jacqueline Abood, who will be giving their testimonies as they are our recently graduated seniors from high school. A big night for them as they share their faith with their friends at youth group. Uh, look down at announcement 18. Big thanks to MetroCrest Youth Minister Jay Marble, who has faithfully served our church for several years, pastoring and discipling our middle and senior high school students. Jay was raised at MetroCrest and was himself discipled by previous volunteers and youth ministers. Jay leads a dedicated team that includes Jessica Camp, Kama Fowler, Elizabeth Lloyd, and Joseph and Dorian Marble. Uh, that's two pages, one set of announcements, one Sunday, Life at MetroCrest. Lots and lots going on in our little church. God is powerfully, wonderfully at work. And one of the things about life is it is full of transition. You could actually say life is transition. Life is growing from an embryo to a baby to an adult to an old decrepit person like me. Uh, that's life. It's one long transition. Transition. And it's leading, of course, ultimately to the greatest transition, which we read about a moment ago in the Heidelberg Catechism, the great transition when God's kingdom comes perfectly. When the fullness of his kingdom comes, when God shall be all in all. The ultimate transition. Life is transition. I've called my sermon this morning the problem of difficult transitions. Uh, not all transitions are equally difficult. Every transition brings something with it, a challenge to it. But not all transitions are equally difficult. Some transitions are great fun. Uh, getting married is great fun. Uh, the first few hours of being a parent is, that's really fun. Uh, there is a lot of fun in transition. But you don't have to live very long to know that life also, in its transition, can be very, very difficult. Uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at some of the difficult transitions, first of all, in Paul's life. It's interesting here in the concluding part of chapter 20, we're reading about a transition where Paul is saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. Uh, these are the men whom he has been working with 
uh, men he has labored alongside, uh, men he has discipled and taught the scriptures with the goal that they would teach the scriptures to others. There's something uniquely difficult about Paul's transition. Uh, It's here recorded for us because it's uniquely difficult. Uh, If you look at uh, verse 18, it says, Paul said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Paul had lived with them for three years. It's probably the longest time he was at any one church that he planted. He was in Ephesus for three years. Uh, He had been teaching them. He had been discipling them. He had been sharing the faith with them. And with them, they had been sharing the faith to others. He got them into a little bit of trouble. Saw a couple of Sundays ago how Paul's teaching actually led to a riot. And he actually leaves Ephesus just one step ahead of the mob that intended to kill him. And some of his friends got caught up in those difficult circumstances. Uh, Paul had been teaching here in Ephesus. And there's this difficult transition as he prepares to leave. Now you'll notice that Paul's uniquely difficult transition is very much centered on his teaching. It wasn't that Paul came to Ephesus and got in a barroom brawl, or he was flirting with someone's wife and got into trouble, or he did some other crime while he was there in Ephesus. What he had been doing, he had been doing very openly. He had been teaching. He had been proclaiming the gospel. And it was that very thing which got Paul into trouble. He'd actually, he tells us here, been working quietly with his hands. He'd been working as a tent maker. He'd been with some friends that we read about. They were also tent makers. And so Paul had come in. He didn't ask anybody else to support him. He, with his own hands, earned his living and actually helped support his friends. Uh, He was himself generous with those who were with him. Um, Paul busied himself with teaching. And that was part of his uniquely difficult transition. It had gotten him into trouble. But it was actually what he had taught that mattered so much. Paul had come to teach them about Jesus. Verse 21, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was preaching what I tried to hint at just now in the baptism. Repentance and faith. Repent and believe. Over and over again in the book of Acts, we see that is the content that Paul gave his life to share. He didn't actually give his life to debate fine points. Paul is a great theologian. He has much to say. But here he focuses on two very simple things. Repent and believe. Repent and put faith in Jesus Christ. You know, I'm so glad that in the end the gospel boils down to some really simple things. Simple enough that children can begin to get it. Actually, it's not that they ever move beyond that. They grow into that. In its deepening and maturing richness. The Christian life is not about discovering new vistas 
It's about coming to appreciate and love and value and understand more and more the vista we get at the very beginning in Christ. It's actually at the cross that we get the full vista. And the Christian life is simply a matter of looking up at that and loving it and being grateful for it and being shaped by it. That's our prayer for the boys. That they will grow in knowing what Jesus has done. The truth that loving grandparents and loving friends and a loving church and loving parents will share with them over years and years and years. That's the Christian life. That's the the, the transition that Paul is pointing towards. And that's his great love and his great concern for the church in Ephesus. He's preparing to leave. And as he goes, he gets the elders together and he simply reminds them of what he's done. And he's saying to them, as he, and he says this literally later on, he says, now you do that. I'm not asking you to invent something. I'm not inv- inviting you to put your heads together and come up with a really exciting message to share with the people in Ephesus. Paul is saying, repeat what I have taught you which is what Jesus has taught me. I want you, elders, you church members, to share this with others. Share it with your little ones. Share it with the newcomers we see coming in our doors. Share it with the neighborhood, the community. Share the good news of Jesus. Repent and believe. Share that, says Paul. His uniquely difficult transition is to underscore that so that we don't forget it. So that we don't put our emphasis somewhere else. That we put our emphasis where Paul put his emphasis on the simple saving gospel of Jesus. Paul actually says in verse 22, he's going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if we take seriously Paul's counsel to teach and proclaim what he taught and proclaimed, we'll also face hardship. A couple of Sundays ago, we looked at the reality of cultural conflict. You don't have to go out and pick a fight to find yourself in a conflict. If you repeat what the gospel tells us about Jesus, no matter how sensitively you do it, no matter how carefully you do it, you will experience conflict. And the longer you walk with Jesus, as Paul did, the more you'll see it. Now, he experienced it uniquely. He experienced it in a way that is so significant, it's recorded in the Bible. That's how unique it was. It's actually written down in considerable detail. Because you see, what Jesus, what Paul is doing is following Jesus. What Paul is doing is following Jesus. And as we follow Paul in following Jesus, we will also experience hardship. Paul's unique transition is meant to inspire us, to give us hope, to give us courage. It was meant to give the Ephesian elders hope and courage. Not to waver, not to water down the gospel, not to go along to get along. 
not to come up with a, a different gospel that people might find more to their taste. No, if we follow Paul as Paul followed Jesus, you and I will also experience hardship. If we speak the truth, no matter how loving we are, and we must be loving, we will experience cultural conflict. We will experience the world reeling from the gospel. So Paul's uniquely difficult transition has a great deal to teach us. Paul cautions the church in Ephesus, and he's cautioning through them, you and me as well. He says in verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul taught the church in Ephesus, and through them he's teaching us that we must be constantly on guard We must be constantly on guard for false teaching. Any teaching, no matter how dressed up it may be, how much religion may be draped over it, how attractive it may be, how funny it may be, any teaching that deviates from God's word is a lie when it comes to the gospel. It is a lie. And we should resist it. We must, verse 28, pay careful attention to ourselves, to all the flock, to care for the church of God. Why? Because at the end of verse 28, he obtained the church with his own blood. You are very, very, very precious to the Lord. So precious that Jesus died for you. And because you are so precious to the Lord, we are to stand guard to make sure that only the truth is proclaimed. Verse 27 makes it very plain that the truth to be proclaimed is the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel. Not just picking and choosing a few favorite verses. It's actually the whole counsel of God which will always point us towards repent and believe. It will always point us towards Jesus. It will help us to understand what it is to repent and what it is to put faith in Christ. And Paul says, pay attention to yourself and to others in the church. Make sure, says Paul in this unique transition, make sure that you do not deviate, do not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God. Of course, that was especially important to elders who are responsible for continuing the teaching. It's actually important for all of us as saints to make sure that what is taught at Metrochrist Presbyterian Church is always from the Scriptures. It's not someone's favorite idea. It's not their theory they're they're cooking up and promoting. We proclaim the Bible, the whole counsel of God. And if that is not the case, say something to your elders and to others, make sure that what you're getting, what the flock of God is getting, is nothing less than the whole counsel of the living God. And that's part of Paul's unique transition. As he was preparing to leave Ephesus, we're going to see in these last few chapters of the book of Acts, 
Really, the, the last few chapters of the book of Acts are in a way Paul saying goodbye to the church, the whole church. Uh, we, we're going to be reading about trials and imprisonments. The very things he anticipated do in fact happen in the next few chapters. We'll be reading about it. It's amazing what Paul endured for the sake of Jesus. So we want to be prepared. We want to be very alert, very careful because of Paul's uniquely difficult transition. He wants us to know what lies ahead. So Paul's transition is uniquely difficult. But verse 36 sort of underscores some of the elements of transition, difficult transition, that are in some ways universal. What Paul endured was something unique, very important for the church to understand. It has to do with our ongoing life together. But beginning in verse 36, as they say goodbye to their pastor, their, the church planter who had come and, and taught them the scriptures, as they prepared to bid him farewell and to see him off on the ship at the end of verse 38, there are some elements here that I think might help all of us in transition. Uh, because it turns out our life in Christ is not completely unlike Paul's life in Christ. There are certain things in church life that are continuing, that we continue to experience. For instance, I, just take in for a moment how significant it is that this morning we arranged to have a baptism. We welcomed several new church members and we said farewell to an elder. All of this work to bring a brilliant sermon illustration of how what Paul went through and what Ephesus went through is church life. It is church life. They're welcoming and they're goodbyes. And through it, there's weeping. There are tears. It's not easy to say goodbye. It's not easy to let go of a hand you've held on to for a long time. Church life is like that. Paul's life was like that. If you go back to the book of Philippians, again, one of my favorite books, and you read the last chapter of the book of Ephesians, sorry, of Philippians, and you look at all the goodbyes, all the comments, the people that Paul commented on, they were going here, they were going there, uh, they were coming, they were supporting, they were not supporting. All these people that were people in his life, these weren't characters in a novel, these were people in his life. Church life is like that. There's coming, there's going, there's, there's succeeding, there's failing. There are all kinds of trials that we endure together. And part of being the flock of Christ is that we go through life together. We share life together. So grateful for the life that God has given us here at Metrocrest. From the youngest to the oldest, we share our life together in Christ. And though we go through difficult transitions, we do it arm in arm, heart to heart, supporting, admonishing when it's necessary, comforting when it's necessary, encouraging in Christ. Of course, uh, at this particular point, uh, it's, it's clear, verse 38, that they were particularly sorrowful because Paul had said, they wouldn't see his face again. And that sort of brought an exclamation point 
to what Paul has been saying about transitions. Uh, lying ahead of us is a, a great transition that we have in common with Paul and with all the generations and millennia of Christians who've gone before us. Uh, the reality of the ultimate transition of the end of life, going to be with Jesus, meeting Jesus. That's a particularly difficult thing. Uh, if you live long enough, you're going to say goodbye to people that you love. You'll bury a few. Uh, this past week, we went to uh, visit an ailing uncle of mine over in uh, Mississippi. And while we were there, we went out to Brian's family cemetery. What a coincidence that the part of Mississippi where my family currently lives is the part of Mississippi where my son-in-law's family comes from. And we went out to the Laird Family Cemetery. It's not just the Laird Family Cemetery, by the way. There are a lot of people buried there, but a big section of it is the Laird Family. And it was really amazing. These are his ancestors. And we went out, many of them are, by the way, preachers. And we went out to this cemetery and we found uh, a, a grave, two gravestones side by side of mother and daddy buried side by side. And right beside them, was their one-year-old, their three-year-old, and their seven-year-old who had died back in the 1800s. Just thought, life is full of difficult transitions. For mom and dad saying goodbye to their little ones at such tender ages, which was, of course, not uncommon 150 years ago. Uh, that was a very real thing for people to say goodbye to several children. That's a, that's a difficult thing. Kids, that's a, that's a difficult thing. I don't want to scare you about it, but that's a difficult thing. It's not easy to say goodbye to little ones that you love, that you've held on to, that you treasure. There's weeping. There's weeping when we think about not seeing someone's face that we've loved. The great comfort and the reason we go on with joyful confidence is because Jesus loves us. And we will be reunited with those we love who are in Christ. We will be reunited with them. Uh, this is a particularly sad weekend for the Smith family, who are very dear to me and to all of us here. Uh, it was a year ago this weekend that they say goodbye to their daughter Grace. I can only imagine the, the grief in their lives, even now, as they think about this beautiful young woman full of life, and to say goodbye to her, and to realize that we're not going to see her face again for a long time. That is not an easy thing. Paul, Susan, kids, we love you guys and we are with you. Your church is with you every step of the way. And we care. But you know what is even more important? It's that Jesus is with you. You are part of Jesus' flock. And he loves you. He loves grace. We don't have to worry about grace. But we want to support and encourage you 
and we want to support and encourage one another.